Welcome to Love How She Leads, where we celebrate the woman leading at every level in life, leadership, love, and style. This is your guide to soulful living and changing the world one conversation at a time. This is episode seven on faith and feminism. First, I want to share a little bit about why I'm covering this topic. To start, I'm an executive and a mother. I'm a volunteer and an active community member, and I'm a homebody, and I've gone to church my whole life. I feel that we all hold faith in some way. We know others who live by a certain faith background or a certain set of religious rules, and I personally grew up in a Christian home. For me, faith is integral to how we lead and serve. And because many of us were exposed to religion and faith, there are certain stereotypes and ideals that we hold that can inhibit or enhance our success. As a woman, I think that this subject becomes a bit more complicated. How can we hold tight to our faith, and for me, especially in my Christian faith, when it's largely influenced by patriarchy and feel free to live out a life that's protecting and valuing our womanhood and our choices? I tackle this subject not because I want to convince anyone to become a feminist, but for me it's because I want to live more and more authentically and use my voice to open up dialogue around important matters of the heart. I want to get curious about our belief systems, especially if any of those belief systems are inhibiting instead of enhancing our dreams. I think my struggle has been both. I always felt God in some way, even cheering on my dreams. But I was often confused by the mixed messages I received as I grew up. Did God want me to drop everything and be submissive to a future husband and to only become a mother? Did God want me to save the world and be a missionary? Did God want me to take a vow of poverty the rest of my life to serve? What about the women and how they're portrayed in the Bible? What was I supposed to feel about that? I had so many questions. And instead of pushing the questions away, I'm deciding that it's a great place to start. I want to get curious. I want to understand both faith and feminism. If faith is a strong belief in God, or even in the doctrines of a religion, it's a complete trust and confidence in someone or something, God. And feminism is the advocacy of women's rights on the basis of equality of the sexes, I think I just want to get curious about what does that mean for us as we lead, as we grow, and as we serve. So if my faith is complete confidence in God, then I must believe that God created me to be me, a woman, someone who thinks for herself, has ideas, and longs to have her own identity, even earning power. Maybe I want to become a mother Maybe I want to stay home with my children. Maybe I want to work part-time. Maybe I want to go back to work full-time. Maybe I want to be the chief executive officer of a company. Maybe I want to be in ministry. I want to serve across overseas in missions work. There are so many avenues that we take. So advocacy for living as an equal makes simple sense because I can't believe that God created us with this idea as a lesser human. I think that we just started taking things out of context, and maybe we started believing leaders' words more than God's words, or how God created us. My goal is to open up the dialogue, to create conversation, 
and to have the willingness to ask the questions about all of these things. I think we can sometimes feel lost with different types of movements because if they feel so separate, if feminism feels separate from our faith, then those of us that are continuing to believe in our faith and to believe in God and to believe in a set of systems or rules or or any of those things, it could take away from our feeling that we belong in the feminist movement in some way. It's so exciting to see how many different women from faith backgrounds are leading the way in the feminist movement. So to open up this dialogue, I really want to break it down into four questions. The first question, is my work spiritual work? Growing up in a ministry family with a dad who was a pastor meant there was a lot of emphasis on callings. I personally love callings. I believe in them, and I encourage them. But the emphasis on callings that I grew up with were a bit flawed because they were only focused on ministry callings, missionary work, pastors, worship leaders, and they were even that much more flawed for women because even though you could have received a calling, I don't recall anyone thinking that a woman could be called to be a pastor. And I'm not sure that I remember ever feeling that you could be called to be a leader. It's like the options were completely thrown out. So like any other kid would do, I started to think I would only ever be in ministry. I hate admitting that I didn't even know that there was a vast array of jobs that existed in the world that could be worthy of callings. Of course, I was familiar with some of the basic things, doctors, lawyers, counselors. But you can imagine how living with these beliefs, even if they were under the surface, influenced my thinking as I grew in my career. I really wanted to go to college. I knew that I wanted to have a career. I'm not even sure how I knew that. I just did. I'm sure it had something to do with my mother because she was very supportive when it came to pursuing education, being able to take care of myself as a woman. She had come from a very challenging background, and for her, it was really important that her daughters learned how to take care of themselves. So she definitely encouraged me to go to college, to get a degree, and I knew I wanted those things. The challenge was because of how I was being raised and the church life, there were just, again, some mixed messages. So it was hard to feel clear if I could free myself to even look at the other possibilities of careers outside of ministry life. The last few years have been the most wonderful discovery for me, to realize that our work is spiritual because it's tied to our well-being, our provision, joy, aliveness, contribution, connection, and our community. I've experienced more and more joy through the discovery process. It's opened up even more opportunities. And if you've followed me on Instagram, you know that I've shared that for years I felt like I even tucked myself away. I didn't want to share too much about my career. I kept my career away from my spiritual community and even some of my family. For fear of judgment and my ambition, I wanted to minimize any expectations people would have once they found out what I did for a living. And I really wanted to minimize my accomplishments because it would take away from my faith. The other side of that, though, is that I didn't want to feel limited to a title, to a job function, or a stereotype that wouldn't allow me to really truly enjoy being a wife and a mother. And I wanted to be able to still cultivate my spiritual life. 
realizing that all of this stuff is integrated has been the most beautiful gift. I believe that we have to have all of those systems running and working together. We need to be willing to live with our spirituality and receive ourselves as who we are, as a wife, as a mom, as a career woman. And the only way to really arrive is to be able to show up as our whole self. So under this same question, we can attack the topic of earning power. Because it's with earning power, this question comes into play about spirituality because it can kind of keep us from feeling comfortable with earning and still feeling spiritual. But let's get some basic statistics going. I'm going to post some links in the show notes to go in greater detail for the research that I'm about to cover. It goes way in depth on women, earning power, and faith. But I'm going to start with the basics. 47% of U.S. workers are women. 47%. So that's almost half of all of us. 70% of mothers with children are in the labor force. That is well over half of us. 75% of those mothers are full-time in the labor force. And 40% of households, the woman is the primary or the sole wage earner. Women own close to 10 million businesses, and they receive $1.4 trillion dollars. That's a lot of earning power. And now let's talk faith. 69% of women believe in God. 59% say religion is very important. 40% attend church at least once a week. And 64% pray and 43% meditate. That's a lot of spiritual power. And this is why I love to talk about faith and feminism and why it's so important. Because there's another layer to these statistics that really had me thinking. Some of the research states that women are more likely than men to affiliate with a religion, that women report praying daily at higher rates than men, and religion is equally or more important to women than men in most countries. So we want to talk a little bit about the differences between men and women, especially in the U.S., Religious commitment is high and the gender gap is wide, according to the Pew Research Center. For example, for the 64% of American women that pray daily, only 47% of American men claim that they pray daily. 59% of women say religion is very important to them, while 47% of men say religion is very important to them. 40% of women attend church weekly, while 32% of men attend church weekly. These are just some of the statistics to show how wide the gender gap is between men and women. I think even what's more interesting is the reasons that are attributed to this gender gap. While there are various theories, some biologically related and others not, the one theory that I really want to focus in on has a lot to do with what we're talking about here. The theory basically is stating that one of the reasons the gender gap is so high in the United States is because of women's placement in society. Researchers have looked at how women's place in society, especially their rates of workforce participation, might affect their religious commitment. In one study, a sociologist, David DeVau, of the Australian Institute of Family Studies and political scientist Ian McAllister of Australian National University, report that lower rates of female labor participation 
are the major cause of women's greater religious commitment. They found that full-time female workers are not only less religious than women who do not work, but also display a religious orientation similar to men. Because of men's traditional roles, therefore, so we're talking about the women's role specifically, essentially her placement, and, and everyone knows this, especially if you've been raised in a religious home, there is a set of values on a woman's placement in the home. And therefore, not a lot of outside work participation is encouraged or has been encouraged, traditionally speaking. But what they're saying the opposite of that for men is because their role was encouraged and they had a lot of outside participation, the reason that there are less men that are more religiously affiliated or who attend regularly is largely because of their socialization over time. And that women's socialization is now catching up, so to speak. And that's why there's such a wide gap. I just find that really interesting because, again, all of this research and everything that we've been doing continues to separate the ideas of faith and feminism. So as we're living in today's day and age, I think it's just really important that as women, we're asking these questions of ourselves. Is this really true? And do I lose my faith because I decide to participate in the workforce? Further on in the research, it says that even someone who's in a high-level, high-paying position even more so loses their religion or their faith because they no longer are looking for that affirmation from the religious sector they feel satisfied and fulfilled, and the socio-psychological benefits make religion less important and less relevant to some people, is what this study states. I think understanding that correlation between earning power and our faith is so important, because what it's suggesting is that our seeking of existential security through God, through faith, through our spirituality, is no longer needed once we gain more earning power or a rightful place in society or new opportunity to grow, develop outside the home. In this case, I just want to speak a little bit from my own personal experience. The confusion over my own faith absolutely is linked to some of these feelings and these religious messages. And the representations throughout my upbringing for acceptable things for women to do did not always include seeking after leadership positions or fulfillment through outside work. The gender roles were considered very specific. You know, the the man was expected to provide and the woman is expected to care for the home. And that's just putting it in the most basic terms from the religious upbringing and I think that we have to have the ability to create our own sense of security. And I personally don't feel like security in our well-being, including that of earning power and wealth or simply being able to take care of ourselves, should diminish our faith. Faith offers us a deep sense of our soul and our belonging. It connects us on the journey of our human experiences It helps us to make sense of the things that can't be easily explained and try to understand the questions that are hard to answer. 
So to make one solely related to the other, or in any sense of the word, to understand how the research correlates, while I understand that, I also think that it's because there's another level at play. And again, this is my own personal experience, and I think the other level at play is not necessarily that I go out into the world and I gain more freedom and more authenticity in that way, and I no longer need to seek after security in my religious environment, but rather I think it's just hard to make peace with it. And so it quickly becomes a feeling that you have to choose one or the other because feminism didn't exactly make my Christian faith feel very welcome, and nor did my Christian faith make feminism feel welcome. So in this wrestling is where I think that these statistics, they'll never grasp that wrestling because that's the wrestling of our human soul is I still need something to help me have belief and confidence in humankind, in my ability to be resilient, in my dreams, in where I'm going, in what I'm called to do, in how I'm supposed to show up in the world. And and I think that that is not just about money or earning power or status. That is about the human spirit. And so to completely relinquish that does not allow me to feel that part of myself wholly and fully as I continue to show up in the work world. And then in the work world, as I continue to lead and grow and serve, I absolutely need some of those equality principles at play in order to ensure that I can continue to move forward, to be successful, and to feel like I'm meeting my potential, having equal earning power as my colleagues who are men, feeling the freedom to take care of my family, fighting for all of the women who don't have a partner or a spouse or a loved one who care for them. Because again, in religious settings, I think that we are severely limiting if we are only focused on one way that we serve and lead as women in our homes and in our families because there are multiple ways that family shows up today. And I think that we're very much underestimating and undervaluing women's contribution if we are not seeing the whole of it. The idea that we need God more because we can't earn more is amazing. There's something in there about, you know, the reason that we begin to cling to religion or God is because we don't have the ability to create our own identity or have earning power. And I think what the data is trying to tell us is that we lose more of our faith as we become more engaged in the world outside the home, particularly work. And when we go back to those mixed religious messages, along with the complicated feelings we feel about the feminist movement, based on those messages, if church is making some things acceptable and other things really unacceptable, like earning power and work and even equality for women, it seems logical that losing your faith is really more about experiencing some level of freedom to earn, contribute, and develop your own identity and not use God solely as a security replacement for not being able to provide for ourselves. That really impairs us from seeing the holistic view of how it all works together. And now the men and our husbands become solely responsible for creating that security for us, including money and dreams. And so here's my own theory. We end up repressing. 
Out of our need to obey our religious orders, we repress our dreams. We feel they're not worthy of attention, or they simply have to be ignored or put on hold, or they can only be valued if they're run through our husband, our partner, our father, whatever male figure exists in our lives that's acting as the head. And in some cases, for those of us that don't have those partners, again, if we're a part of a church body or a community, we may be looking to that. Now, this is not inherently wrong to have male figures that act as mentors, role models, sponsors. What we're specifically talking about here is within a marriage relationship or in some other unhealthy view of the male and female gender roles. And especially within marriage, our needs and our wants begin to feel like demands because we don't feel like we're contributing to the cash flow. And we don't realize that as an at-home contributor, we may be completely helping our home's financial position by saving money and taking on responsibilities that would likely have to be paid to an outsourced service provider. So I think getting comfortable about earning power requires us to look at things in all sorts of new and different ways because it serves us. For both men and women, it serves us to see our partner as equal, equally contributing to the financial bottom line of our home, as well as equally contributing to our family and to society, not just because of some specific rule that was intended for them, but because it brings us more to a place of financial equality. How can we love our faith, believe in our faith, and still pursue careers, dreams, and families? So we go to this question next. Am I comfortable with my dreams? Based on all the things we've talked about up until now, the reason this question is relevant is because if you're from a spiritual background in the Christian faith that relayed messages to you about your specific roles as a woman, being comfortable with your dreams will likely not come easy. We question our holiness. We feel we're not worthy if they're not only tied to ministry or if they earn money. And we may even start to feel that others are responsible for making our dreams a reality. Because if we're not allowed to pursue them, but we can't let go of something that requires time and money or effort outside the home, then we have to find other ways for it to happen. A lot of times our spouse becomes responsible. Our children are the recipients of our repressed dreams. We become resentful, bitter, and fear that everyone is holding us back. And the thing is, in some religious homes, it's not entirely far from the truth. Because the spouse is believing the same things, not only about your duties, but about their own duties. To provide no matter what, to love you so unconditionally that it's hard to be human, meaning that they have to fulfill all of your dreams in addition to their own. When we start to make our dreams sacred, and we integrate them as part of our faith, it will open up a whole new world. Some dreams, desires, and wants do seem frivolous, But I think that's okay to start sometimes. Because anytime we're teaching ourselves something new, it's going to feel frivolous. And when we use the term dream, I think I've learned more often than not that our dreams are tied to purpose, contribution, freedom, and thriving. And they evolve over time with age and maturity and a lot of times the return to our faith. Because pursuing dreams doesn't mean neglecting everyone else's needs. Thriving, flourishing, and wholeness doesn't leave room for neglect. Again, the messages of only this or only that are deterrents, and they're often the contributors to that thinking. 
and I just don't feel like there's any joy in mandate. I can't wait to cover this topic a little more when we dive into living and leading with emotional intelligence. But for now, remind yourself that how your desire and pursuit for wholeness will likely also change the way you think about your dreams. They'll be tied to something that contributes to society as a whole, rather than purely being focused on what you attain or acquire in material possessions, in status, any of those things. If I had to easily let go of my faith as I discovered my own self as a woman contributor and leader, I feel I would have missed out on a huge part of the good stuff of my upbringing. A huge part of my drive for the way I lead and the sensitivity I need to raise my family comes from my faith. The dreams I hold for society, for myself, even all the beauty that I want to surround myself with, a lot of that has to do with respecting creation and the beauty that God has given to us. My faith plays a huge role in my decision-making as I move from one season of life to another and throughout my career. So remember, whether your dreams feel holy or not, I believe they are. Your strong inner compass, your dreams are a gift to you. They're a gift to those around you. They fuel your decisions. They bring life to your family and to your community. You have all of these things inside you, and they're just as worthy as any other profession. Because being in the right job or at the right place or at the right time will likely mean more influence, more opportunities, and an incredible contribution to society. You have no idea whose life you're changing by living with your dreams. And if you're here, you're a conscious, loving human who wants to make a difference in the world. So remember, your dreams are sacred. And that leads us to our next question, which is how can I serve? If your dreams are sacred and you're here to make a difference, I know that there's a calling touching your soul. I've recently been reading the book, Faith and Feminism, A Holy Alliance, and I love the way that this book is portrayed because it references five different women and their contributions to society and how very different they all were and how we have had the opportunity to benefit from them. You reaching your dreams or going after your dreams is not only about you, but it's about others and how you're bringing change and serving the world through your gifts. The five women that Helen LaKelly Hunt portrays in her book, St. Teresa of Avila, Lucretia Mott, Sojourner Truth, Emily Dickinson, and Dorothy Day, are all women who combined their faith with their feminist beliefs to make the world a better place by doing so. She talks about how it's remarkable that one of the most significant social revolutions of all time was fueled in large part by personal convictions of a small band of 19th century religious revolutionaries, five women who came together, who essentially started speaking up about women's rights. We don't often connect the fight for women's rights with women who were of religious order, but she absolutely connects it in this book. They were early feminists filled with conviction. Her book covers really interesting perspectives on religious women and the early birthings of American feminism, as well as covering five women who represent an aspect of the internal journey of the heroine. The stories are there to teach us about how we can connect our faith with feminism 
and be an excellent force for good. Which now leads us to our next question. How am I encouraging others? I think we've held stereotypes and we continue to hold stereotypes or judgments around certain professions, around what feminism really is, around even our faith perspectives. As Christian women, we can often be stereotyped for being only one way. And as feminists, we can be stereotyped as only one way. Within certain types of professions, do I am, am I only comfortable with certain types of careers for women? Does it feel better to me to see someone thriving in something that's more typically a women's profession, like teaching or nursing, training, human resources? I was recently at lunch with a woman, and we were talking about these stereotypes, and she was at an event where she where a little girl was asked to draw a picture of a scientist and they naturally drew a picture of a man as a scientist and this is because the images that we've developed in our heads the stereotypes that we have have often been etched in us over time obviously we know the huge gap for men and women um, for women being represented in science technology engineering and math what is also known as STEM. But again, let's go to what stereotypes am I holding? Do I feel more comfortable with women and men being in certain types of roles? I think one of the easiest things to ask, and I know that this is where this conversation comes up, it's not just in the engineering and math fields, which were predominantly men over time, but it's also in many of the leadership fields. Do I feel comfortable with women leading? Can I look to a woman as a CEO and be comfortable with that? Am I more comfortable with a man or a woman leading a church? What images come to mind when I think of certain types of professions, like a chemist, a scientist, a pastor? Depending on how you were raised, your social identity circles, and all of those types of things, certain images will come to your mind and certain images will come to others' minds. The next question to ask us, though, is when I do see the images I see, am I holding any stereotypes around these images? Am I willing to see past what I see to allow room for other options? Because of our own biases, we may be contributing to our own decision-making, how we coach, how we parent, how we make friends. So is that really wrong? It just depends on the goals you have which are really aligned to your values. Are you allowing more possibilities to open up your values? If your goal is to expand your network, is to get to know other people, is to connect with people outside of your own thinking, it doesn't mean that you have to really let go of your values as much as it means that you have to be willing to see the other side of things, especially when it relates to faith and feminism. Which leads us right to the final question, what are your views of leadership? Based again on all of our biases and all of the questions we've traveled through, chances are each of these things has also had a distinct impact on how you view leadership and leadership qualities. Do we have a predisposition to how we see leadership? Is it fear-based? Is it command and control? Is it only male? Is it only female? Is it a mix of both? Is it cold and harsh? Is it bottom line driven? 
Is it open and expansive and relatable and integrated? What if you knew that each of those professions, each of those ways of showing up in the world, each of the questions that we walked through, that there is so much diversity and so much richness to be held? There are people in every form of leadership that lead from the heart as much as from the head. Leadership is at all levels. It's not limited to a title or a particular field. You are a leader. If you support, you lead. If you have a family, you lead. If you help in your current family, you lead. If you're in a marriage, you lead and you co-lead. Yes, we have people at the helm, and those people, they realize how essential all the other parts are to their mission and to their success and how the process all fits together. They're able to see the big picture and the details. And really good leaders know that why having anyone lead to some capacity is a very good thing because it's empowering, it's, it creates accountability, it allows strength and resilience to flourish. Leadership expectations become shared, and there's more opportunities for the teams to grow and to thrive. The goal and the question that we answer about leadership is because we've walked through very important things. If we're beginning to face our spirituality and our dreams, to see feminism completely differently through our careers and how we serve and how we allow for social change and revolution and movement, then we absolutely have to rethink leadership because many of the people that initiated social change were not in some kind of leadership position. They led through influence and impact. And we have the opportunity to do that every single day. I think today we're being called to be brought together, to lead a movement of change together, to stop really worrying about stereotypes and gender-specific roles and start really thinking about What do we want the future to look like? If I had to easily let go of my faith as I discovered my own self as a woman, a contributor, and a leader, I feel I would have missed out on a huge part of the good stuff of my upbringing, a huge part of my drive for the way I lead, and the sensitivity I need to raise a family plays a huge role in my decision-making. As I move from one season of life and career to another, I use my faith to help guide me. It's my trust and my reliance on God that allows me to be sensitive, to decide what's worth keeping, to decide what's worth searching for, what I need to make my own, how I treat people, how I respond, how I continue to desire to grow my family. If I only had to rely solely on my feminism and only have the focus on equality, then I feel I would have cut out my own soul my inner compass that even got me to the place of believing in equality and fighting for social change in the first place. And to not allow myself to experience the idea of seeking equality as a woman, which is the essence of feminism, I would have missed out on my callings and my dreams and the earning power and financial provision for our family. The practical things, the daily needs need to be met. And so if I was only weighed down by my spiritual responsibility under the guise of my religious faith, I would have missed out on all of these opportunities. I think of all the ways that women show up in the workforce today, and if they weren't in the workforce, what would it feel like? My family members recently experienced trauma, and the doctors and the nurses, both men and women, 
were excellent in navigating the tender territory. I was thankful they were in the right job at the right time to serve our family. Whether they are a woman or a man was irrelevant. It was that they were meeting their calling, and their service and their commitment to their job and their calling was a gift to our family. And as a mother, to me, it's absolutely essential to maintain my faith because it helps me to navigate when I need to pull back and when I need to give more to my kids. That sensitivity in my spirit and in my soul allows me to see when my children need me more. It allows me to see when I need to be pulling my weight at work or I have to show up in a different kind of way than I normally will. It gives me the opportunity to be a caring leader at work and not just focused on the bottom line results. To me, having an integration of faith and feminism is absolutely essential for my own identity and essential to fight for the identity of both the men and women around me, including the next generation of leaders, my sons and my daughters. I love this quote from the Faith and Feminism book. Feminism has been defined as activists working against oppression. It includes all women working for the right to fulfill their unique potential. Women and men can choose to be CEOs, stay-at-home parents, nuns or monks, ministers, entrepreneurs, or activists. No one choice is valued over another. But we hold high the ethic of our interconnection, that we are all part of the we. Thank you for listening today. And if you know someone who would benefit and be encouraged by this episode, who longs to be a part of a movement of change like this, please share. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at lovehowsheleads. Visit my website at lovehowsheleads.com and sign up for my newsletter where I love to share divine and lovely things with you. See you next time. Just let me know when you're done making racket. <laughs>